But the message, I'm going to just jump into what God really wanted me to talk to concerning the offering and receiving the offering today. I, I wanted to do it at the end, but um, it was kind of uh, adjusted to me, so I, I'm going to just do it now. So we turn to Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 to 2. This is part of... what I'm talking about. Weights. Things that hold you back. There's something about this word prosperity that the church of Jesus Christ does not like. I don't know why. And I don't know why um, we have such a resistance to it in our own thinking. Maybe it's the way you've been brought up. Maybe it's the way I've been brought up. Uh, you, you kind of see the rich people on MTV. Have you ever watched MTV Cribs? And you see all these like decked out, wonderful uh, artists' uh, mansions. And you think, you know, they're pure, all and out sinners. And they're living a lifestyle that's absolutely beyond contemplation. You know, you see the rims on their car are like that big and they're like driving around with these gorgeous vehicles and stuff like that and we as Christians we, we somehow think that the sinner in the world is allowed to have those kind of things but yet the church of Jesus Christ is somehow okay to kind of just get by and I want to really attack that and hit the nail on the head with it for my own benefit and for yours and for whoever's watching as well, we need to look at prosperity as something that, and understand the purpose of it because the purpose of prosperity and the purpose of life and the purpose of victory must come from a place that seems to understands that God actually requires us to operate in the best possible way possible. There's a requirement for the gospel actually to be taken fully throughout this world. How do we get the gospel anywhere? It's not going to just take somebody on a boat and a, a paddle to kind of circumvent the globe and try and get everywhere and get a blow-up boat and a blow-up paddle. Nowadays, you can get these blow-up stuff and you can just plug in an air compressor or whatever and to do it for 300 pounds and I'm going to paddleboard my way around the world and preach the gospel. It's going to be a little bit more complicated than that, isn't it? If God's going to send me to any other country, to any other place, whether it's me, whether it's Pastor Louise or anyone else in this, there's going to take a, 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 an ability of finances to propel the gospel message into the world, isn't it? Would you agree with me? Billy Graham is still probably the largest ministry financially in the world at the moment, one of them. And he's passed away many years ago. The gospel of Jesus Christ that he preached, he didn't preach a prosperity message, did he? He didn't go in and preach, but he focused and preached the gospel and in a way that was so simple and so wonderful and saw so many people saved that it actually produced a legacy of a very financially secure and large ministry because of the gospel's sake. He went and preached the gospel throughout the world and the finances came in because people were understood the need for the gospel to be preached. Where am I going with all of this? 
Well, the reality is that not the ministries need to have the money, but the money to get to the ministries has to come through people's hands. And whose hands are those who are going to support the ministry? Me and you. I don't want to be a person who uh, takes the gospel and wants to preach it, and then somebody comes along, like maybe Robert decides to say, well, maybe we should do something for, to preach the gospel, and I need 10,000 pounds to do this, and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to sit there and hold his hand and say, let's agree in prayer for that money to come in. I'd like to write the check and say, here's the money. So in order for us to get to the place where we are so able and capable of preaching, not just preaching, but financing the gospel, we need to understand prosperity from a perspective that says, you know what, I'm not just going to enjoy prosperity, I'm going to go after prosperity, I'm going to go after finances, I'm going to go after those things, because the Bible very clearly says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and then all these things are added unto us. Prosperity actually will enable you as a believer to take the gospel far, far, far further than you could physically do yourself because you are able to sow in and give finances into the kingdom of God, whether it be a ministry like um, uh, a traveling ministry or the, your local church and send the pastor to go do those things. I'm not talking about trying to prosper this church right now. I'm trying to prosper you individually. I'm trying to get our mentality to think like I'm going to actually see God's will and prosperity and victory and financial success operating in my life to a new level. And you see, many Christians want to get to a certain level and they go, that's enough, I've got enough, I'm not going to push to the next level. We're going to experience it in church, we're going to get to 100 people. And then it's going to be a decision. Do we want to press to the next level and get to 150 to 200 people? And then you're going to get to that level and you're going to say, are we going to press to get to 300 people? Many churches will get to 300 churches, uh, people. And there's, I, I can think of a number of churches in, in just the local area of Southport that perhaps are up to 300 people, but they don't go beyond that because either maybe the pastor's not ready to go beyond that, the building's not big enough, all of these factors at place. But are we going to be people who actually go, well, all right, 300 is enough. Out of a, a city of however many thousands of people in Preston, is 300 people in this church large enough? Is that large enough? I don't think it is. 500 people is not large enough. 1,000 people is not large enough. 2,000 people is not. See, I'm losing you in your thinking because right now we're looking and seeing how many people, how many empty seats we have versus how many people fill the seats. 2,000 people is not enough people to really do effective damage to the kingdom of darkness in this city. It will do in a certain amount. But if we had 10,000 people in a church in, in Preston, we could change legislation. Councils could be changed. You know, if a church that says to a council says we want to do something and they say no, and then you say, well, my, vote, my people aren't going to vote for you, it's going to make a difference, or my people are going to start to complain and protest. The more numbers we have, the more effective our voice can be. Does that make sense? But 10,000 people, none of them tithing, none of them giving any money into the church, is the church going to survive? 
course not, because the building can't be paid for, the things can't be grown, all that kind of stuff. So the idea behind prosperity is not just simply for me to get people in the church to give a little bit of their finances. I've said this before, the great thing about God with finances is he talks about percentages, he doesn't talk about amounts. So that when your amount increases, so does the giving, because the percentage just stays the same, but it grows in size. So my goal as a pastor is not just to see you guys enjoy your career that you're in right now, to enjoy what little God's provided with you right now. My goal as a pastor is for you to grab a hold of the deeper things of God for your call and for your life and to fig- and so that you figure out how you can succeed in a better way, in a more rapid way, and put finances because the percentages increase, our income increases, and so does yours. So you have a greater increase in your life. You can do more fun stuff. Some of you might even want to buy a jet ski and go have fun. Some of you might want to buy another toaster because you want to have four pieces of toast toasted in the morning rather than two. That's what prosperity does. It gives you options. Do you buy the cheap hot chocolate? Do you want to buy the options chocolate? Do you want to buy the more expensive coffee? That's all very well. For you to desire those things. But it will never be beneficial to you unless you prioritize the preaching and the prosperity of the gospel first. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1 says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. This is important. What God is saying is always going to put you, let me rephrase that. What God is saying to you, when you hark, you remember what it says, hearken unto the voice of the Lord God. Listen to the voice of the Lord God. This means that whatever he's saying to you, always is talking to you. He's always talking to you and he's always going to put you in a place of wealth and financial success. Because if you're listening to his voice and obeying it, it will always lead you into financial success, into wealth. But if you back off of listening and back off of prosperity and back off and are embarrassed by it or whatever, whatever issues you have taught over your life or whatever like that, whatever's limiting you, if you back off of prosperity and are embarrassed by it, you are limiting what God actually wants for you. So you will actually limit your hearing. Have you ever dealt with your children and you said 16 things to them and they've done none of them? But the 17th thing you say to them, you can have ice cream, and suddenly they're listening. In fact, some, it used to be a thing with Jack when we were kid, when he was a child. We used to say um, six things to him, and he'd never hear us. But if we wanted to get it, if we just start with the words ice cream, he'll suddenly come to us and talk to us. Suddenly he hears everything that he wants to hear. That's exactly the same thing that God feels like when he's talking to you and I. Because we hear what we want to hear. 
That's why the message of the fear of the Lord and, and all those kind of things where we're talking about sin and all that kind of stuff, most Christians are just daisying around through their lives and listening and da 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 and then suddenly God says, oh, prosperity, oh, healing. Oh, I'm listening now, God, but you missed the 16 steps to get there because you won't deal with the problems in your life that need to be dealt with because you're not listening. I, I, I felt that for years. You know, God's dealt with me on certain things that I've... Here's a good hint. If you have to try and convince somebody else that what you're doing is okay, that means something's wrong on the inside of your heart. If your heart's sitting there going, but it's okay, it's okay, I'm going to try and convince that other person that, that, that that thing I'm doing is okay, but that other person is just looking at you. Why are you trying to convince me? I don't really care. But you're feeling and you have a sense of like, I've got to tell you what God's telling me because I think that's what this is what he's telling me. But you're really, all you're trying to do is battle with your conscience on the inside of you. Your conscience might say, stop doing this, but you think, but it's not sin. But your conscience is saying, stop doing this, but it's not sin. And you have this constant battle on the inside of you and you're trying to communicate to somebody else and you're trying to say, oh, okay, well, Robert, it's, it's really okay that I, I do this. It's okay. And Robert's sitting there going, I, I really could care less whether you do it or not. But something on the inside of him, because he's got joy and victory and anointing, is pulling on something on the inside of you, and your, your conscience is battling you. I'm just trying to think of something that isn't sin that we could use as a, as a suitable, maybe it's buying cake. Have you ever gone into a cake shop with a friend? and try to talk them into the reason why you should have a piece of cake. But I mean, I, I, I've not cheated all this week. It's cheat day or, or whatever. Whatever you, you kind of like kind of just start dreaming of cake. So you go to the cake shop and then you even, even sometimes to the point where you're paying somebody and you're talking to somebody and you're saying, oh, it's my special cheat day today. It's okay. It's all right that I have a piece of cake. And you're trying to constantly convince other people of what you want to do which you know in the inside of you that perhaps maybe you shouldn't be doing it. I'm using cake as a very loose example. Like the other night, I had four chocolate eclairs. And maybe I should have stopped at two. But then I had one more, and then someone said, well, there's only one left. They're only tiny. My mom, my mom makes chocolate eclairs, so they're only tiny. They're not like the big ones. Don't, you know, I'm, not, I'm not talking about bakery-sized chocolate eclairs. I'm talking about... See, the, the funny thing about my mother, when, when we were kids, everything was small portioned. See, but things, there's things in your life where you're trying to convince somebody else to, that you are right in doing it. Well, have you ever tried to convince somebody that you should be doing something because you feel God told you to do this and they're just, they're just happy to listen to you? I've done it with my own pastor. I've tried to convince him of something because I felt like it was the right thing and he just looks, smiles, smiles sweetly at you and kind of just sits there and be very incredibly polite. I've told pastors in the past that I believe this is the will of God for my life. And I remember one of my, one of my pastors saying, I couldn't say anything because by the time you said it, God's telling me that this is what I'm supposed to do. I cannot get involved in your life. And she was probably sitting there going, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that. And then I ended up taking a 10-year detour into photography and creativity that I shouldn't have done and went to university. Because I said to somebody else, trying to convince them that I was in the right, and I said, God told me to do this. 
but it was probably just my flesh or my emotions trying to figure out a solution. And the minute I say to somebody else, God told me, that person cannot advise me any longer because I have superseded their authority in my life by saying, God says. So if you're talking to your pastor and says, God's told me to do this, I'd be very wary of saying those words because you cut him off. I was certainly what we did with um, when we left Lakeside and Southport. Um, my pastor Richard kind of like we, we booked a meeting and he, he kind of said to us, you're either pregnant or you're leaving the church because <laughs> we don't book meetings with him. So we sat down and talked to him and we weren't pregnant. Thank God. Um, and we talked to him and said to him, look, look, we feel like it's the right time for us to lead, leave. But we also said to him, if you don't agree with us, talk to us about it, didn't we? And he said, well, it's not my place to do that. But we gave him the option and the ability and the, in fact, he, he, we wanted to leave in, I think, June, July. And he said, can you leave in October, because there's a few other people leaving, key people leaving the church at the time, and he didn't want us to, to be like, look, like this mass exodus in the church. There's some wisdom in that. So we, in fact, started Faith Life a few months later than we wanted to because we submitted to his authority. But we did not kick the door down and say, God's told us to leave because we're called into the ministry and we're leaving this church. Because if I do that, I cut out all advice and all ability for somebody else to speak into my life. Because, you know, a pastor, no matter how spiritual and anointed we are, we cannot tell you to do something in your life if God's told you to do something different. My, I, I'm, that's why submission to authority is so crucial in these last days. Because God, you may feel something. I, I remember talking to... If you remember Sam and Sarah who visited us, Sam wanted to, was getting an opportunity to go to have another job. And if they're watching, I hope this is okay to share. They, 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 he had an opportunity to go for another job, and, and the pastor of the church said, no, I don't think it's right. And I, of course, Sam was frustrated by that, and I was sitting, because he worked for the church. Let me just give you a bit of the thing. He was submitted to the church. He worked for the church and stuff like that. And she, the pastor said, no, I don't want you to do that. That's not right. And I said to him at the time, it's more important that you submit to your godly leadership, even if they're making a mistake, because you're protected under that godly leadership, even if they are wrong. And that's really hard for some Christians to understand. Now, I'm not saying God won't fix the situation. If, if that person's wrong, you pray for them. And now, obviously, it, 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 me, I'm not preaching heavy, heavy shepherding. Before you think, I'm not, if you come and ask me if you want to buy a blue car or a red car, I really could not care less. I'm not going to try and meddle with your life. But if you, if you are working for somebody in a, in a leadership position in a church like that, there's a, di there's a different level of submission. Okay, Do you understand the difference? He was working for the church. She was really involved in that, and they were talking things through, and she didn't agree with him. So he submitted to her, and eventually he left the church for something else that was better and more correct for him. Because sometimes pastors know things by the Holy Ghost. Now, if you go in and kick the door down and say, I don't know why I'm talking about this, by the way. This has nothing to do with my notes. So if you, you can look at me like, with all disgust as much as you like, but I'm just going to just share what's on my heart. If you kick the door down and you tell people, this is what God said, your friend, 
your minister, your pastor, your leader, whoever's over the top of you, or, or even if they're just best friends with you, they cannot advise you sufficiently. So you need to just perhaps go, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm sensing. What do you feel? What do you sense? Because the thing is about submission to authority, the thing about, about following leadership, the thing about growing churches and all this kind of stuff, it's got to be not my will be done, but his will be done. That's where we're going to with all of this. The privates in the, in the, in the, in the, in the trenches... They did not make the decision whether they should go over the top or not. It wasn't down to them. They did not know. They did not have the bird's eye view. They did not see what was going on in the rest of the war. They had to go over that when they were commanded to. Or I think in the olden days, they would have shot you if you didn't go over and obey an order. Now, of course, in the, in the, in the, in the ministry, in the, in, the, in, in the kingdom of God, we don't deal with these kind of things from the perspective of if you disobey an order, God's going to kill you. No, of course, we don't think of it like that. But your life can be affected and changed so much if you are not shifted and going in the right direction because God is speaking to a, a leader and inputting into your life. Now, please hear me. I am not, as I say, I'm not building a church based on I am right, you are wrong. Pray for your leaders. Always pray for your leaders. A smart leader won't try and tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you what to do. But I tell you, if you want to have wisdom and pull wisdom from your leadership and from those above you, come in with a submitted heart and a submitted attitude and understand that when they respond by the Spirit of God, you can take that away and go and pray about it. Just because somebody, a leader, tells you to do something doesn't mean you have to do it. You can go and pray about it. If, 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 I, if I ask you to do something like move that chair over there because I have, that's not something you pray about. But if I'm saying to Holly, you know what, I really think you should change job. I think you should join the church. And I think all that kind of I really sense that God's, that's God's will for your life. She doesn't go, oh, yes, I'm going to do it because Pastor Andy said I have to do this and I have to give up my job. No, that, that, that would be incorrect. But they are, she is fully okay to walk away and pray about it and see if that sits on the inside of her and works with her. Because I tell you, Pastors make mistakes. Leaders make mistakes. So that's the other flip side. But you are safe when you trust God and you trust in the people and pray for the people above you. You are safe to listen to what's going on. Hallelujah. Because it will sit right with you on the inside of you. It will sit right with you. Prosperity and your success comes from hearing the voice of the Lord. Hearing the voice of the word of God speaking into your life and you're pulling on that and saying, God, I am going with this. Hallelujah. I'm going to hearken unto your voice. Do not back down. This is one thing that God is really dealing with me and Louise this week. And I'm going to be honest with you. We were struggling a little bit on this. But this is what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to back down and sit there and think, I'm not going to prosper because I can't see it working in my life. That's what he wants you to do. Oh, it, it's not working, God. I gave, I, in fact, I gave an extra few hundred pounds this month because you told me to, and I'm now short. God would, the devil would say, well, it's not working. 
So seed time and harvest doesn't work. But no, God said heaven and earth, while that still remains, seed time and harvest will continue to work. So the sowing of your seed will always produce a harvest, but you don't always know when God's going to settle up. Do not back off of these things. Do not back off of your giving. Do not back off of your tithing. Do not back off of your loving of other people. Because the devil would tempt you into thinking that it's not working. And when you think it's not working, that's switching your thinking into unbelief mode. And when you're in unbelief mode, God fights with you because he hates unbelief. Unbelief, saying that God's not going to do something, puts you in a position that says, I need to do something. And that is nothing short of pride. You are operating in pride because you don't believe in God, so I'm going to have to do something about it. And what does God do? He resists the proud. So the pressure will come to take your mind off of the word. Strife comes because of you taking your mind off the word, and then strife will come, and then you'll start to just step out of love, and then all of these things start to go wrong, don't they? Don't back off. Keep believing. Keep giving. Keep sowing. That's, this is not a rallying call for me to get more finances from you into, into this church. That's not the point because God might tell you to give somewhere else. But you are be, stay obedient. Stay, keep giving. Keep sowing seed. Keep stirring up your heart to, to see the victory uh, that, that, that God's promised you within finances so that the gospel can get preached across the world. Your success will lead to the gospel being preached in all the world. So if we can just put up the giving graphic, if, if someone online needs to know how to give, um, we'll just let you know how to do that. We'll, I know this was a little bit, a bit of a longer giving message today, but I just wanted to make sure some of these things handed. I want to push this harder. I feel like God wants me to hammer this. For my benefit, for your benefit, that prosperity must come to the body of Christ. And try and get your brain and your thinking to shift into those kind of areas. Shift into, I'm not going to stay stuck in my giving. I'm not going to stay stuck in my career. I'm not going to stay stuck in what God has for me. I'm going to take it to the next level. So, of course, you can scan the QR code. You can give online, faithlifecenter.com forward slash give. If you're giving if you're at home and you're watching, join in. Seed time and harvest. Sow your seed. Harvest time is coming. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Well, we'll just pray over that offering. We thank you, Father God, that there is growth to every seed sown. We water that seed in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God, that it springs up and produces results. And in the name of Jesus, we call every single person at the sound of my voice blessed. We call them hearing the call of God on their lives. We call them hearing the the word that's spoken out. And we call them hearing the word that they see and put into their lives. And we call 30, 60, 100 fold return back into their lives. A harvest time that they can be. God, I know we say we're not to be embarrassed by prosperity. But God, I want you to bless people so much that they are embarrassed by the amount that you love them in the name of Jesus, and we give you all the glory and the praise for that. Well, I do thank you for all the giving that you provide in this church, and I thank God for it. We're, we're going to make some steps over the next few months to have more prayer meetings and different things that are going to go on, so 
All that goes to support all that. My God meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Right. Well, we'll just close that section off. And I'm going to just shift into, I'm not going to preach long. I'm not going to preach this main message long. Because I know we've got time. And I know we've, got, we've actually got more cake. Cake life is kicking into gear again. Precious. Is, how old is Precious this week? Was she? Four. Is that, is that all? She looks older than four. She looks taller than four. Maybe I'm just... I, I, I always talk to your daughter, and she looks scared of me. But then today, she was looking at me, trying to be hard-nosed at my face, and she just trying not to smirk. So I think she's a little bit cheekier than she lets on. I'm going to have to work on Precious. Um, hallelujah. Well, the, it's interesting the way God's been showing me some stuff today, this week, that we're going to talk to. We've covered some of it already, looking unto Jesus, you know, putting put Jesus first place and, and let going of everything else. But Pastor Joel's devotional and and use this scripture verse, and I thought it really linked well with what God's been dealing with me about and stuff like this, and so I'm going to read that just to kind of remind us of that devotional. If you're reading it week by week, great. If you're, if you're online, you can download it on the website, and then we'll kind of dig into the things that God's kind of pulling out on those, that kind of message. It's 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. If you can get it on the screen, that's great. 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. I'm trying to learn how to go slower so the media team can do it. So if I, if I feel, if you feel like I'm just taking my time, it's because I want you guys to benefit from it. But I need to, it also would help if I could find my scripture verses. First Timothy, verse 4, verse 16. Hallelujah. Paul instructed Timothy to do this. So he says this, Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those who hear you. If you go back to verse 15, it says this, Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for the sake of your own salvation and the salvation of those, of those who hear you. How you live. That's the holiness, act, uh, the, the holiness side of things. Pay attention to keep close watch on how you live. Keep close on what you teach and the teachings you hear. That's your faith production. So you're paying attention to who you're listening to. You're paying attention to who you're, what you're talking about. You're paying attention to the word of the living God on the inside of you. That's your faith production. Number three, stay true to what is right. That is your consistency. Never going from left to right. You're consistently living. So Paul was encouraging Timothy to do these things. And it says, this is what Pastor Joel wrote in the devotion. It says, if you keep a watch on all three of these, you will frustrate the enemy and keep the door closed to him. The enemy will have no entrance into your life to destroy it. The devil doesn't come all at once and then suddenly destroy lives. No. It is the toleration of wrong things and letting them progress in your life that destroys lives. Isn't that what God's been saying this morning? God's been talking very clearly to me about weights. 
I don't exactly know what weights I need to cast off. I'm not sitting there going, oh, I've got a light bulb moment. That's the thing I need to give up. Or that's the, I'm going to trust him to show me and guide me. But he says this is the toleration of wrong things and weight. It's weight, sins, things that are in your life, wrong teaching. If you're listening to a certain prophet doodad who's always predicting and prophesying that the world is going to end and, and you, you need to go out and buy tin beans because, you know, food production is suddenly going to halt and, and the rapture is not going to happen. And all. If you're listening to dodgy preaching, it's going to affect your faith production. It's going to affect how you operate in prosperity, how you operate in life. Because, you know, in these last days, the church of Jesus Christ is not to back off, but to grow up. That's not just maturing. It's grow up higher. Go up higher. Go into new levels. There are, there's a group of people that, you know, like Elijah, was, was, felt like he was the last one. Sometimes it can feel like that. And so I was watching a minister last night, and he was talking about the church that he was preaching in. And it is a great church called Choose Life. It's in Hobbs, New Mexico. And the pastor's about 70 years old. And this pastor preached word of faith when it wasn't popular. When he started out, he started in, in the times when it wasn't popular. And then he preached word of faith when it was popular. And now, as the word of faith message becomes unpopular again, and many word of faith people have backed off of that message, now is the time to keep pressing on and not giving up with that message. And this guy who is in his 70s is, is, is believing God for new buildings and, and all this. The church of Jesus Christ is to continually expand and grow. Isaiah says, expand the place of your tent. Put back the Temp pegs all the time, just constantly looking at growth. And it's very hard when, to constantly look at expansion and growth when you look back and you think, we're not even growing ourselves. But I'm excited because what God's doing on the inside of each and every one of life, if you let it, is that the word of God grows and expands you. It's not about numbers. It's not about um, showing to the world that we've got the largest church or this or whatever. But it's about saying to God, like Jenny was praying, we were praying just before in the worship, about this is all about you, Jesus. It's not about what man thinks of us. It's not about what, what the devil thinks of us. It's about whether Father God approves of what we are doing. And I'm telling you this by the Spirit of God, from, with authority of the Word of God, that the Word that we preach in this place, in Faith Life Center, is anointed and provided for by the Spirit of God to produce pioneering effects and effectiveness across this Northwest. That's the whole point of God raising up the leadership in this ministry. To preach a word that doesn't, if, if people don't receive, you see, you know what, jo, the big problem with Jonah was, he thought that if he went to Nineveh and they received it, God would forgive them. And that's, of course, what God did. Jonah did not want to see the sinner saved and set free because he knew God's mercy so amazing and wonderful that no matter how much they swear at him and no matter how much they do wrong, that, that if they would repent, God would forgive them. He's one of these typical prophets that just said, die, you're going to die. If you don't repent, die. Don't, don't, don't repent. I want to see the, the tornado wipe you out. But you see, our job is to keep pressing in with this word because this word is going to change people's lives whether they know it yet or not. 
People online watching, whether you know it or not, your life is being changed by listening to the word of the living God. I get changed when I preach the word of God. Preachers' jobs are interesting because the more they preach it, the more they believe it. And that's where the fire gets stoked up. If you preach depression and, and suicide and, 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 you know, you guys are all sinners and we should all just, just go home and give up, that's what I will believe if that's what I preach. But I'm going to preach something filled with joy, something that says, ha, 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 he, 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 ho, 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 Mr. Devil. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not letting you win. I'm not letting the enemy win. I'm not letting the enemy convince me that this isn't worth it. I'm not letting the enemy hold me back. I'm cutting every weight. I'm cutting everything that's holding me back. I've, I've got my eyes up. I love what Jesse DePlantis says. And, and Brother Hagin always used to say sometimes this, but Jesse DePlantis has been saying it lately. He said, when he does altar calls, he said, keep your eyes open. It says, watch and pray. Quite often in church, we, we say, let's everyone pray. And they all go like this. And they switch off. And their eyes are down. and they're, they're, they, There's nothing wrong with closing your eyes when we pray. That's not what I'm trying to say. But my point being, keep your eyes up. Be aware of what's going on. Look around the horizon of your life and say, you know, if when you do a 360 revolution and you look around and you think you can suddenly start to see, well, the enemy is trying to hit me over there. The enemy, well, I'm not having that. Oh, he's going to try over there next. Okay, I'm gonna, I cut that down because the blood of Jesus is all around me. The, the angels are all working for me. The word of God is, 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 is being spoken out of my life. The glory of God is my rear God. I am actually walking in power and effectiveness far more than I ever thought I could because I just simply will not give up. I'm cutting everything off. You know, no, 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 no. I've got no chains. I've got no bondage. I'm free. I'm free. I can dance. I can shout. I can give God the victory. I can give God the glory. I can do everything. All things, all things are possible to me who believes. That's the freedom. You see, this message may have started out hard. Give up. Give up all those things that are holding you back. Cut it off. Repent, repent, repent. But you know what? When you get that out of the way, suddenly there's freedom in the house and everyone's dancing and jumping up and down. If we would let go of some of the things that have held us back, you could run so much faster. But so we just want to hold on. I want to hold on. I want to hold on to what I've got in my life. I, want to, I just want to do the things that I'm doing and I don't want to let go. Well, you'll be left behind. Because there's some of us who are going to run. Some of us are going to just, just give it everything. I'm just not going to. What did Paul say? I press towards the mark. I know one thing. I let go of everything that's behind me. I put it all. I count it but dung. He says not a word in the Bible in the Greek. I count it all but rubbish, but crap. It's everything that I went on in my past. It's just dead to me. But I'm pressing on towards the mark to know him and the power of his resurrection. To know him. To know him. To know the one who provides the power. To know the one who lives inside of me. The one who's healed me. The one who prospers me. The one who meets every single need that I have. To know him. And when you know him, suddenly power comes upon you. That's why Jesus said, I'm anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news.
because he knew him. He had 30 years, and there was that moment of preparation turned into revelation. Preparation turned into a revealing. Preparation turned into a, 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 a spotlight shining on a man who was now equipped and able to walk in victory through everything. You see, when he preached that message, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the big revealing, you would have thought everyone would have just bowed their knees down and said, oh, he's here, Messiah is here. No, they grew, rose up and he had to walk through a crowd that were intent on killing him. He just walked through and his ministry began. He turned water into wine. He raised people from the dead. He, 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 he interrupted funerals. How about that? You know, just walking down the road. and Oh, there's a funeral there. Nowadays, you'd have to jump in, the, in front of the traffic of the, the limousines. They stop. Let me just talk to the guy in the boot. Pull them out. Raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Billy Brim always says, if you have ashes of somebody, you know, if you don't like them, don't keep them in the house. Because when the rapture comes, the, the dead will rise up first. And suddenly you'll have Aunt Maggie live in, your, in, your, in your living room beside your ashes. And you're like, whoa. Think, you know, I, I honestly don't believe we believe what we preach. It's, it's going to be amazing. Seven years in heaven, me and Christina, me, Christina, we are going to wear different shoes every single day. We are going to make sure that every single day we're at that, 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 that dinner hall for seven years, every, every day at breakfast time. Christina, where are you? What shoes have you got? I know, yeah, you've got green ones, I've got green ones too. We're match. I don't believe that God is going to raise up local churches with people that are supposed to be. It's going to be, but you can, you're going to, I believe that if he's raised us up as a local church together, we're going to live pretty close together. You know, Holly and Robert aren't going to be sent on six hours across the heaven and I can't go see them because it's part, we're a body, we're something that God's raised up. And in fact, there might be some people that kind of live in your area that should have been on the church on earth, but they left because they didn't want to be there. And God says, well, actually, you're supposed to be with that group of people, so now you're in heaven. You're gonna, I'm going to force you to be. <laughs> well, I, mean, I don't like him. He left my church 30 years ago. He got upset and offended. Well, he's back now. Heaven's going to be a wonderful place. It's going to be praise God. And then Louise will say, praise God. And then Robert will say, praise God. And suddenly in Manchester, they're saying, praise God. And then in Siberia, they're saying, praise God. Because it's going to just rapidly take over the world. Everyone responds to the praise of God. Everyone responds to the holiness of God. Everyone responds to the joy of the Lord. Heaven is going to be this wonderful, amazing place. But I'm telling you, please don't scrape your way through life to get there. Remember those old... Adverts, and they'd be climbing to the desert, and they'd be going, water, 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 polo, polo. And someone throws a thing of water on them, and they get this polo, mint and their life changes. Scraping through, trying to get through to the, to the other the top of the hill. Trying to get through to the, you know, that guy who got stuck in a, in a thing, and he had to cut his arm off to get out and be set free. 
Sometimes it's going to take cutting things off in our lives to get to the place where God wants you to be. But don't make that the habit. Don't make that the, the, the only thing, the way you're going to get there. Start just casting it off and just saying, God, here I am. I surrender all to you. I give you all the glory in my life. Watch. Eyes up. See and hear the call of God. See and hear. Learn to declare the word of God over your life. Learn to declare and prophesy and link into what the Spirit of God is saying. The call of God on your life will never recede. The call of God will always beat through your heart. The call of God is never lifted from your life. Others may take up the baton that you should be carrying, and you may miss out on some of what God has for you. But God, I've said this before, Pastor Joel said it, God has a perfect plan to get you back to the perfect plan. If you've made mistakes and shifted off or, or maybe you've taken a break and you're coming back into the things of God, whatever, it doesn't matter, however, which way you look at it, the call of God that beats on the inside of your heart will never stop. God will always have an outflow for you to step into. God will always put you in a place where you can minister to others. God will always put you in a place where you can serve others. God has a perfect plan for you. I'm just stirring up the fires today because it says in Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he who keeps the law of God is blessed and happy, fortunate and enviable. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. As I quickly run through my notes, something a minister said, and I think it was Brother, he was quoting Brother Hagen, but he says, sometimes in your life, and I want to finish on this, and I, I need to get this bit out of the message, so bear with me. He says, quite often, the, the will of God for your life is like carrying a couch. You can lift up a couch, and if no one's on the other side of that couch, it's very difficult to maneuver a couch downstairs, upstairs. Have you ever watched the Friends episode where they all get very upset with each other, trying to Chandler and, um, okay, I'll leave Friends alone. Um, pull up a couch. Everyone's looking at me like, you've never watched Friends before. Am I just like that generation, and the only generation in this room who watched Friends? Okay, move on. Pick up the couch. If you pick up a couch and nobody's carrying the other side, it's going to be very difficult. But the will of God for your life is that God is carrying that couch with you. But the minute that couch becomes difficult, you've got to ask yourself, is the person on the other side still carrying the couch with me? If your life is becoming frustrated and hard and difficult, are you trying to carry a couch without any support? Now, you can do it. There's another way of looking at it. I was thinking about this. So you, say you, you were in a, in a flat, and you're trying to get this couch up and down. You could put this couch up and, and just try and wriggle it and make it life hard and really determine, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this whether somebody's lifting it or not. Somebody probably will come along and help you, but it might not be the right person. You might have somebody help you carry that couch into somebody else's house when you should be carrying it into your own house. See, with God, he will lift up that couch with you. What did Jesus say? My yoke is easy. 
But if the yoke that you're carrying, in fact, this is the, the way Rick Renner says it, and I thought it was really good how he says it, if I can find it. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus said this, take my yoke upon you. The word take is the word arrow, meaning to deliberately lift or to deliberately take up. The fact that Jesus used the word arrow implies that one must deliberately invite Jesus into the harness so that he can help you pull the plow, thinking about a yoke. You need to invite Jesus. The word yoke in the Greek, in the Greek word is zugos, which describes the wooden yoke that joins two animals together so they could combine their strength to pull a load that generally would be too difficult for one animal to pull. This yoke made the team inseparable. As a result, the team of oxen are stronger and their combined strength made their task easier. Jesus wants to come alongside you. So if it's like picking up a couch and you can't do it, something's wrong. Something You're not p- taking that couch in the right direction because you've not got the support. You've not, if you're, something's heavy and you can't, you're trying to struggle and you're fighting up against it and the, and the load is too heavy for you to bear, maybe you're connected to the wrong thing. Maybe you're connected. That yoke is not connected to Jesus who will help lift up and make it easy for you. This is Jesus' offer to the weary and tired worker. Jesus offers to come alongside the worker and join him in his assignment or affairs. However, the worker or the weary soul has to make the deliberate choice to enter into this working relationship and to come under the yoke of Jesus. He has to take the yoke of Jesus upon himself, reaching out by faith to lift it up and place it upon himself. You see, there are weights that you can have in life that you lead there that cause you to drown or there are the weight that Jesus wants you to pick up with him that makes life easy and light. You see, Jonah, talking about Nineveh and all that, he ran from God. If you read the first chapter within the first few verses, he was running from God when God told him to do something. And it ended up that he ended up on a boat that basically the, the people eventually recognized that it was his disobedience that was causing them to hit storm after storm after storm. If you're constantly in a cycle of destruction in your life, a cycle of pressure, a cycle of walls, you need to know where you're going. Are you working with the right yoke? Are you working with the right people? In the whale, what happened after that, that getting thrown off of that boat? boat let me just backtrack you. I'm skipping because I'm, I'm rushing. Jonah was trying to get in, back into the will of God because he was in a situation where literally he couldn't do anything else. He had to get off the boat to save the people that were on the boat. He wasn't thinking, oh, I've got to get back to Nineveh and do what God's told me to do. I've got to get off the boat to actually get these people saved. You might be causing some things in your life that are going horrendously wrong and you need to get off the boat. But I'll tell you what God did. He provided a whale for him. And in that whale, Jonah had this provision. Jonah had protection. Jonah had support and Jonah had direction. That whale was going in the direction it needed to go in. 
But it took him in those moments of those days, those three days and three nights, just like this, this, this revelation of what Jesus went through in the, his burial, death, and resurrection. Jonah went into this whale, and he got into the place where he had to repent, and he had to say, God, why am I in the pit of this? Why I will do what you say. See, Jonah did not have in this whale comfort, freedom, or a choice. You see, you may have stepped out of the will of God for your life, and you may be in a position where you have to get out and into a position where other people are saved. You might have to get out of the boat. You may have to jump off the side, and you might have to let a whale take you to where God wants you to be. But I'm telling you, if even if you are right now in a whale, you, he will get you to where you need to be. I hope that makes sense. But see, Jonah became, by going into the whale, jumping off of that boat, he was in the will of God at last. There's two things that you might be doing. You might be carrying a Jonah in your life that you need to get rid of, or you might be the Jonah. But I'm telling you this, in the name of Jesus, this will not be your portion. You will fulfill the call of God in your life. You will succeed, and you will hear and obey. I'm calling this out on, in our church in Preston. We will not be weighed down by weights. And it's, this is one thing about the word of God is it's, it's in season where, whenever you say it. It may not feel like you've got weights in your life right now, but you may decide in six months' time to add some. So you can just remember I preached it six months ago. Don't pick up the weight. Hallelujah. The things that God has for your life are so grand and so beautiful and so wonderful and so kind and so lovely and so precious. Protect it with everything. Protect it with, with your passion, with your, uh, with your vision, with your, with your ability to get the word of God in your life. Protect it and make sure that the call of God on your life just is completely wrapped up and centered in and so you know exactly which way you should go the word of the living god works and if there's people in this place who are struggling with the will of god struggling with the call of god in their life struggling with ministry struggling with where they need to go whether you're watching online if you're struggling with these things just take time to get under the right yoke live with the burden that jesus has not the burden you put on yourself. That applies to me. That applies to my wife, my kids, and to each and every one of us. We will walk in the fullness of God for our lives. This ministry will not slow down, turn around, or give up. This ministry is going to be a place of freedom for many, many souls. Many, many people are going to come and hear the word of God. Many people are going to have an encounter with the presence of the living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for this service today. It's been a little bit different. It's been hard hitting. I pray that I personally don't walk away from this message with a disrespect for it. That I fear you enough to listen and hear what you've spoken to today. I fear you enough to, and to understand that what you, when you are speaking to your, believe, your people, that we shall make changes that induce great freedoms in our lives. The anointing destroys. The anointing 
breaks and sets the captive free. No one under the sound of my voice should be captive as they walk out today. We cast off every weight. We look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We decide that prosperity is our portion. We decide that healing is our portion. We decide that victory is on our lips, and we declare it and believe it in the name of Jesus. No feelings shall override what the things of the word that should be stable and firm. Last week we talked about it, firm pillars, the word living in our heart. Hallelujah. And we give you all glory. I pray for every single member of this church that this week is going to be the blessed, most blessed week they've had for the, what they remember, that you show them and reveal them tasks to do, wills to do, things that you have need them to achieve this week, that you give them ideas and wisdom and understanding, uh, career thoughts, solutions, everything that they need that you have provided for them that lives on the inside of them. And I give you all the glory today, Father. You are worthy of all praise. I speak life and victory, and I speak freedom in the name of Jesus.